Hello, you're listening to the first episode of Tied Together, brought to you by Cohesis. My name's Kostov Bhattacharya, and I'm the CTO here at Cohesis. In this first episode, I'll be chatting with Alex Lee, our head of experience, and diving into the topic of conversion rate optimization, which is a system for increasing the percentage of visitors to a website that convert into customers. So Alex, we're going to talk firstly about the whole area of conversion rate optimization. And I thought it'd be a nice place to start for our listeners by explaining what conversion rate optimization is, or CRO as it's called in the industry. And it'd be great to hear from your perspective, you know, how you view CRO in your line of work and how it relates to the whole sphere of experience design. Sure. Um, so conversion rate optimization is all about um, understanding how customers are using your existing products and services, um, understanding how they're moving around them, um, and then coming up with experiments or hypotheses around how could we improve their ex- uh, experience and get them to their goal as quickly and as painlessly as possible. And kind of the way that we do that is to work together really to understand what is it the customers are trying to achieve and what do we as a, as a business want them to achieve to define where is that point of conversion so that it could be in a traditional kind of e-commerce perspective it could be making a sale or it could be something smaller the conversion could be getting a quote or viewing a product so a conversion can be a different thing to different uh, companies but what we do is we want to define what it is we want customers to achieve we then create uh, testable experiments, which are ways of modifying the experience. So this is very much on the front end of digital experience. You can make tweaks to the user interface um, without changing the underlying code. And then we'll run an experiment for a period of time, usually two or three weeks, and then we can monitor how well that experience is performing. Um, is it better than um, the baseline or, or the version before we made any changes? And if it is better, um, maybe take that experiment and then turn that into the real code that everybody sees. So it's a really powerful way of trying out new things in an, in kind of a safe space without investing too much tech overhead and like too many different teams. You can experiment with something to see how you can make the most out of your existing services. Um, so quite a lot of our clients use it to reduce risk. You can try new things out without buying brand new software or completely changing your flow. Um, so yeah, we find it a really useful tool. And it sounds like it's a really good way to refine experiences, existing experiences, and optimize them versus um, sort of starting from scratch and rethinking everything, which uh, ends up being a lot more effort uh, and investment in cost as well, I guess. Exactly. And especially in times like now in the in the kind of post-COVID crisis where it's not the right time to be potentially investing in large-scale retooling and replatforming. So the opportunity for clients to get the most out of the tools they already have and to sort of squeeze the most value from every visit, you know, make the most of every click is uh, really important right now more than ever. 
one of the uh, key areas of uh, focus for a lot of businesses is around the metrics and you know what, what's the point of conversion rate optimization ultimately uh, and I guess a large part of it is basing it on measurable metrics and I know in some of your projects uh, in the recent past you've had to look at that take take us through a couple of examples of of metrics that organizations typically look at when they're looking to optimize around CRO? So there are very tangible metrics, things like um, average order value or potentially basket size if you've got an e-commerce kind of website. But there are other metrics around time to complete a process or potentially uh, even experience metrics that might be around how does it feel to complete a process? What, um, what was the friction like for the user? So before we start either a CRO project or really any experience project, we try to define the metrics upfront to really understand what it is that the, the business can measure themselves by and how can users measure how well or how badly their experience was with a, with a, a company or a product and service. And then we break the those metrics down into um, what are the individual elements or individual signals that we could measure that kind of give us an indication of whether we're achieving the metrics that we're trying to achieve. So with something like um, uh, CRO, we might take um, that uh, the basket average order value or basket size, like I was saying before. But if we were taking, uh, looking at metrics in a more a higher experience level metric, we might be combining things like um, how many calls to your call center or what's your net promoter score or how many people uh, are coming in store versus buying online. So by combining all these different insights together, we come up with a, an overarching kind of experience metric, which is a way of clients becoming more aware of the data and the kind of the behaviors that their customers are exhibiting and they start to see how everything they do uh, impacts one of those numbers. I think that's a really nice way of juxtaposing or comparing how experiences were created before the days of data-led experience design. And I guess, you know, we can think back on uh, our careers and, and the sector in general and think about how things used to be done in the past. Uh, there was a big focus on the the flow of, say, a website or an app. There was a big focus around visual design and the interaction design. But an analytics and measurement often were consigned towards the the last mile, the last stage where you throw in the tag and uh, and then you sort of report on things. And I think uh, that whole space has come along it's such a long way uh, compared to those days. And I think now with uh, the explosion of data that uh, we're collecting from backend systems, from user interactions with the front end, there's a whole wealth of information now to to harvest and use and uh, apply advanced techniques like machine learning and predictive analytics on top of. Uh, and I think a really uh, uh, exciting area that's been emerging over the last four or five years is around the measurement and use of the voice of the customer data. That is a, a phrase I think that was coined some years ago. 
one one example that I can think of from uh, a couple of years ago was working with a partner in the voice of the customer space where they developed a platform uh, that it processed any text-based information. So uh, they they're one of their early customers was a retail customer. And they would collect customer service call logs. They would look at, for example, chat logs that were saved during interactive sort of bot-like chat conversations and look at survey data and many other signals anywhere where there was text information available. The platform would process this information and then start to segment and cluster commonalities in what people were saying. Um, and, you know, when you logged into the back end, you could see this beautiful tree diagram that would visualize for you the magnitude of certain topics. And then it would apply sentiment and analysis on top of the magnitude measurements. And so you could see whether a, a large topic area, something that was very popular being spoken about by customers with either either had negative sentiment or positive sentiment. And then you could map that against a, a continuum, a timeline and see whether the run up to Father's Day or the month prior to Easter or Christmas was resulting in certain topics bubbling up with either negative or positive sentiment. And then that data really enabled that, that retail organization to be proactive and look ahead rather than being reactive after the fact something has happened or something's blown up in social media or whatever it might be. And I think the whole area of predictive um, uh, changes to customer experiences is absolutely fantastic. T tell me a bit about your experience around predictive experience design using data to to look ahead and refining those experiences. Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's a super interesting space because um, data analysis is really a forward-looking exercise, like being able to use the data that you have to identify trends, to predict, as you said, sort of predict future behaviors, and then to adapt the experience based on that insight is a really interesting area. Uh, I did some work before uh, with a, a, a finance institution looking at sentiment analysis, um, as you were mentioning, around uh, call logs, and then using that to reprioritize the FAQ and help content in the digital space so that when a customer comes to the FAQ section, we immediately serve them up the kind of content that we predict that they're likely to be looking at. And I think that idea is of, of a way of using data to, to triage problems before they even occur is, is a really interesting way of, of, of doing things like re reducing the impact on your call centers, which will obviously be suffering a big impact at the moment. I mean, you could also use that data um, to predict the kinds of item they're most likely to, to see if you have a large catalog of items and to use it to reprioritize um, categorization based on um, likely behaviors and things like that. But I think it's a, it's a really interesting area how we can be insight-led and use that to affect the uh, actual experience that the customer has. So Alex, to, to really bring it home for the listeners, um, I'd love to speak about a specific example from the recent past. Um, I know you've got one already prepared in your mind. Uh, please share it with us. Sure. So we do a lot of work in, in the charity space and, and right now, um, 
charities are suffering with a with a large reduction in the amount of donations that they're getting from the from the public and so we've been using cro to identify the optimum time in which to talk to customers about making a donation it's really important with uh, charities not to drive customers away by potentially sending them a message which is completely out of context of what they're trying to do and, and potentially interrupting them on what they're trying to do. So we've been running a, um, a whole process of experimentation to really understand what's the best time um, and what gives the best results to um, for the charity. So it's been a really interesting area. So we talk quite a lot about two different areas of measurements here at Cohesis. One is around quantitative uh, analysis and qualitative analysis. And the two are quite different uh, and can reveal very diverse insights into our customers and the, the businesses that we are doing work for. Unpack the differences between quant and qual. And um, it would be great to hear from you, Alex, uh, an example of where you've used either to good effect. Yeah, definitely. So quant, quantitative data is the large scale numbers that we get from research. So it could be from survey data or it could be from analytical data, such as people using digital products. And that's really, really useful to tell us what people are doing. But what that doesn't tell us is why people are doing it. So what we do is we use quantitative research to uncover the what's and then we convert that into quali qualitative, very difficult to say, research to uh, uncover the why's. So we'll use a piece of quant, for example, some uh, analytics data uh, where we were finding some interesting behaviors within uh, a client and then we use that to frame the uh, research that we did which was more of a one-to-one -one interviews or it could have been a remote interview kind of process in order for us to really dig into why they were making those behaviors so it's important not to rely too much purely on data. I think data gives you some insight into the behavior that people are, um, are making, but you really then can use that to drive further insight into the reasons for that. And then once you've done that analysis, I guess it, it really nicely flows into the decision-making process around the creation of the experience and whether it's a refinement of an ex existing experience or actually setting up an experimental experience uh, modality, say in a e-commerce checkout flow or in a customer on onboarding process that may be much more highly effective compared to how it was done previously, right? Exactly. Like by combining both of those pieces of insight, you can then look to like what are the activities um, that we could do to mitigate what, what that pain point is or to shift that customer behavior. And then where is the best location for us to do it? So like, like you say, it could be something very small scale that we experiment with um, through something like a CRO program, or it could be something larger that uh, could be more of a, a project or even a strategic change for the client. But it's through that insight that we can start to define the next steps. And that's all for today's episode. We'll be back next week. I'm Kostov Bhattacharya, and thanks for listening. <laughs>